welcome to the Courageous Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Carolyn Zanetti. Each episode, we meet thought leaders, game changers, and entrepreneurs sharing their mindset, embodiment rituals, and success secrets so you can amplify your health, wealth, relationships, and live your ultimate vision. Welcome back to the Courageous Leaders podcast. Today we have my amazing friend, Andrew Pierce. Andrew is living the dream over in Bali, Indonesia, and he is an incredible coach, mentor, leader. He helps men and women really connect with more meaning, more purpose, more flow in their life. He's been a coach for many years, has loads of experience. I have been a student of his in his shadow work program. I absolutely love his energy. And yeah, I'm excited to share his message and life experience with you all. Thanks so much, Andrew. Thank you, Kaz. What an intro. I I appreciate that. Good to be here. Yes, this is going to be fun. So I like to rock our interviews just with flow. And I'd love to know, first of all, what's something that nobody really knows about you? What's something no one really knows about me? That's a good question. He loves surfing, golf, strolls yeah, on I like beach. surfing. I like golf. Do I have a little secret habit or something that I've got? I'm trying to think. Um I, I like to, like, shock people when they... <laughs> yeah, wow, you've done a good job. You've got me. Uh, what's something no one knows about me? I don't know. Introverted? I don't think people would think that I'm introverted, but we could go with that to start. If anything pops up throughout the course of the podcast, though, I'll certainly jump in and, and mention it. Perfect. So let's start with, you know, your journey on how you came to be this incredible coach, living this freedom lifestyle, helping people step into a more meaningful, abundant, purposeful life. Because it wasn't always that way, was it? You know, I'd love to hear a bit of the start of your journey and how you got into being in this place you are now. Yeah, for sure. So I started coaching, studying human behavior and life coaching and coaching pro bono clients back in August 2014. And at the start of that year, I'd started studying a Bachelor of Psychological Science. Mm. Uh, And so at some point in 2013, I was just like, this, I'm interested in the mind. I'm interested in understanding why we do what we do. Uh, I like this type of stuff. I'll start studying this uni degree and we'll see where it takes me. And within a couple of months, Actually, on the university website, I I read a definition of human behavior and life coaching. And I was like, yes, that's me. That's what I want to do. And so I I transferred to do that at the same uni, but for years two and three. And But then one night I came across the Coaching Institute just scrolling through Facebook. That was, uh, I remember it was a Monday night. I called them the next day and then I went in on the Wednesday and then signed up to their top tier program. and, And it all, that was in June or July. And then the first you know, three-day training event called your Foundations of Coaching Success happened August 1st. Was that with Joe Parnay? That was with Joe Parnay. And uh, that's where everything kicked off for me. After those three days, 
I came home, I put a post on Facebook saying that this is what's happening, this is what I'm doing, and putting to an offer for some coaching out there. Then I, you know, then you know, whenever you whenever you put something else out there, it's a new level of being seen, it's a new level of vulnerability and exposure. So part of me was like, fuck, what have I done? But then it was it was like, well, of course, this is the path I'm going to keep heading down. And I I got into it all just because I I love it. It's a passion. It's an interest. And uh, I was like, I want to I want to learn more about this. I knew that I wanted to get paid for giving people advice. I didn't know how that would come about. But that's how that's how the whole coaching journey kicked off for me. I love it. I love, um, you know, we both have that TCI background and then evolved yeah. and up-leveled so much more since as well, you know, into your unique gifts and sharing multiple modalities. Question, yes, you wanted to get paid to be a coach. Was it also part of your own hunger for your own growth, like to get through your own inner challenges or really you were looking at it more from a sense of career initially? It was just more of like, I want to learn about this stuff and career. So a lot of people do come into coaching because either they've just gone through something and they've had a coach of their own and they're just like, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. Or they're, they're initially just looking for personal development to, to help them. That wasn't the way for me. It was just like, I'm super interested in this stuff. It's exactly what I want to do. And I can make a career from it. I can make money from it. I can be my own business owner. I don't need to go through seven or eight years to be a psychologist or psychiatrist. I can start earning pretty soon. Um, So that's how it kicked off for me. It was mostly interest, passion, career. And of course, I got plenty of my own growth from it. Mm, Absolutely. And you also love meditation and these different mindfulness practices to allow you to be more present. How did, how did that come about, you know, to be added to your programs and stuff? I reckon I first started to get into meditation a bit back in my early twenties where I first had an interest in Buddhism. Mm. So at that time, I like, again, it was just the, you know, you know, when you read about something or you, you, you read some, a teaching and it just lights you up and gets you excited. Like that's, I just really resonated with, with what I was reading about Buddhism. And um, so I started to head in that direction. And then there was also the intention of there was some general and social anxiety going on for me at the time. So it was like, all right, I can, I can address this as well. Um, and so that's when I started to get more so into and familiar with meditation terms, terms like mindfulness and awareness and, and, and things of that nature. And, uh, you know, I just have experienced such great benefit from it myself that I always uh, include it in my programs and any free content that I'm putting out there. I love it. And you're currently running a 14-day uh, little meditation value challenge that I'm a part of in your Telegram group. And also in a child, you know, I remember in your shadow work program, you know, in a mm. child is one of the archetypes that we bring in and you have this meditation for that as well. How do you um, feel healing our inner child allows us to really own our power? Healing the, the, the inner child allows us to own our power because, you know, I'm 33 now and yet I've Adult. still got... Is that all? <laughs> <laughs> I've still got some 
some programs and some conditioning that's running that is of the mental and emotional maturity of a five-year-old, four-year-old, seven-year-old. And, you know, when you're a kid, a lot of the times you can be afraid of getting told off or in trouble or doing the wrong thing. You're, as, a, as a kid, you're often asking permission as to whether you can or cannot have something. Uh, you know, your desires get denied or approved by your parents and society and the world. And so ultimately, when you are a kid, you don't really have a whole lot of, of power. Uh, and there's just, there's wounding that you receive from within your, your family dynamics, society, the, the schoolyard, all this type of stuff. So going through and, and healing that inner child and, and realizing that beliefs that you've carried with yourself for 25, 30 years aren't necessarily true. It's just what you've been told. You know, I think it's interesting to look at how when you grow up, you think that your parents have all the answers, hmm. but they're just telling you what they know. They're just, they are literally innocently at, at times uh, just imparting their limitations and wisdom um, onto you. And if you reflect and look at some of your beliefs, it's like, why do you believe that? Why are you that way? Often at times the answer is, it's just how I was brought up or that's, that's what my mum and dad told me. And so that type of inquiry and that type of healing will have you reconnect with all the parts of yourself that you've disconnected from throughout the journey. And that is what is empowering. Mm, yes. And, you know, I heard about inner child only a few years ago and I was like, what? Like, it yeah. sounds ridiculous. But honestly, <laughs> this is actually one of the core key things that help people truly fly in all areas of life is literally deeply loving, accepting that inner child and, and listening to its needs and giving ourselves like the touch, the containment, the love, um, meeting those inner needs of our inner child and um, parts work, um, coming back to our wholeness is like giving a voice to these, um, the protector parts you know, the inner child, the inner critic, the protector parts, which are there to keep you safe, but then long-term are ineffective. And, you know, those coping mechanisms actually holding us back from having these fuck yes relationships, thriving in business, all these things. Because as you shared, those limited stories and beliefs that we picked up along the way that were beneficial at the time to keep us safe and then no longer beneficial moving forward. I really feel like understanding this and having that awareness and, you know, practices to integrate all parts of ourselves and listen and validate. So, so beneficial. It's like not the most common conversation we have, you know, understanding right. our limiting beliefs is more popular, you know, NLP, but the integration of these parts and these roles, um, Super, super powerful. Yeah, super powerful. And, and it, it can be, you know, even just the word inner child or something or the words inner child can be something that would put some people off, just totally. whatever connotations or associations they have around that. But, yeah, it is, it's very empower, empowering, very powerful work to do in it. I mean, going through it is uncomfortable because you've got to, you've got to relive the emotional sure. pain of suppressed past events. And However, on the other side, it feels great. And... I would love to know, like, 
you really rock shadow work, the work of Caroline Miss. I've gotten a lot of her books and stuff from being in your vortex and learning. How did you get into this stuff? Uh, in terms of looking at roles, I learned some of that at, at TCI, at Coaching Institute. Shadow work was, uh, I'd heard the term a couple of times but never dove into it. And I, I believe I really started to get into it at the start of 2019 with a mentor that I had at the time and through my own internal inquiry through those coaching sessions with my, with my coach, through coaching sessions that I was delivering with my clients, everything just begins to evolve and unravel. And then I see more patterns. I see more codes. I see more consistent patterns and codes. I realize and release and heal more things within myself. Uh, and then it was oh, kind of like midway through 2020, um, a different coach that I got introduced me to the four primary shadow archetypes, the work of Carolyn Miss, which I'd, I'd heard of before, but I hadn't dove into. Um, with this coach, though, she had a, a little audio training that she'd put together. And so I, I listened to them, really resonated a lot just got emotionally beat up whilst I was listening to the audios of like, fuck, I do that, I do that, that resonates, that resonates. Yeah. And then, you know, got results from it. And then so naturally begun to, to bring that into my work and yeah, to bring that into now what is the, the signature infinite flow program that I've taken people through maybe five or six times now. For those listening that are like, what the hell's shadow work? Let's give them a little understanding of, yeah, what's shadow work, Andrew? <laughs> yeah, 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 good question. So shadow work is an introspective psychological process where we dive into looking at the parts of ourselves that we dislike the most, uh, that we have the most hate, shame, guilt, judgment, rejection, abandoned criticism around and so we have pushed these parts of ourselves so deeply into the unconscious that we're not even aware of them. So suppression is when we consciously push something down. Repression is when there's such a level of shame of guilt around a part of ourselves that we, we push it down unconsciously and we're not even aware of it. And so shadow work is about bringing the unconscious to the conscious. You know, there's been many times within myself and with people that I've worked with where, and even discussions with friends, where you come across a wound, an insecurity, a fear, a pain, a trauma, and you just think, how the fuck have I not been aware of that? Mm. You know, like, how has that been in my body this entire time? And I haven't even been aware of it. And it just goes to show that that's the unconscious. That is how... That is how good the ego is and how we manage emotional pains and traumas and protect ourselves from them is by just pushing them that deep down, that not even knowing that we're pushing them down and not even knowing that they're down there. And so, yeah, shadow work is bringing conscious uh, attention to those parts of ourselves that, uh, you know, it's the other side of the coin that we, that we don't want to know, that we don't want to look at. And I feel shadow work is for the brave and the courageous that are ready to lean in and take ownership of those parts of us that we, we denied, reject, disown, et cetera. And yeah. love that detailed definition and examples. 
and like really bringing the shadows into the light. And I believe we've done some Demartini work as well, which is, you know, owning the traits. You know, it's easy to put people on a pedestal and, you know, be like, oh, they're so amazing because you're only focusing on the light. And it's acknowledging that what we see in others is also within us, whether we deny, despise the trait or love the trait. So, yeah. um, you know, shadow work is also powerful to, yeah, reclaim our power and take ownership that, yeah, I am a courageous leader and I have insecurities and shame and all that. But knowing that we're human and we're whole and complete and that's, you know, it is a human experience. And if we can love and have compassion for those parts of ourselves, we can be more loving to others around us as well. It's a, it's a journey. It's a, it's a process, that's for sure. Yeah, I I remember when I did your program, I was like, what the fuck are we supposed to do? We're supposed to like sit there and feel the thing that we don't want to feel. Like it sounds yeah. crazy. And I feel this is the difference as well of feeling in a somatic way, not just in an intellectual mental masturbation yeah. way of like, oh, yeah, um, an example that came up in your program with me was, I am a high achiever, but underlying that could be I don't want to be lazy. I don't want to yeah. be a useless work, piece of shit that does nothing and achieves nothing, right? So then the conscious behaviour is high achiever, always on, achieve, achieve to protect that wounding of not enough and lazy. So I had to literally feel like a lazy piece of shit to be able yeah. to integrate that and not be avoiding it and therefore it's okay to not um, show up and rock business every day and you know feel it's okay to receive from spaciousness and having the rest and the flow and yeah be more in harmony and in alignment to kind of flip the coin and yeah be aware of the fact that a shadow of feeling like a lazy piece of shit and not wanting to feel that way and, and of most certainly not wanting that to be seen by the world mm. can drive a lot of dysfunctional, mm. high-achieving, burnout-type mm. behaviours, which, you, you know, you could pose that to someone and they could still, oh, no, no, nothing like that for me. I'm just stressed because I've got a lot going on, you know. There's always different levels of awareness and willingness. Yes. But, yeah, it's fascinating that when you unlock and face and address a shadow like that, you become more efficient, you become more effective, you don't overwork from a dysfunctional, unhealthy place because it's not, yeah, not being driven by running away from something, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's good stuff. Yeah, and you have boundaries to be like, actually, I'm not available to do this interview and to do this because you're like, you've got nothing to prove. You're already yeah. full inside of you that you own your worth and your magic. You're like, actually, got other things on and you're not just saying yes. So life-changing. Anyway, I freaking love shadow work. Definitely connect with Andrew about some of his shadow work if you're listening and you love the sound of that. And Caroline Miss is an amazing. I've got her archetype cards. and Okay. Yeah, good stuff. The primary archetypes are just like a map of consciousness. They are so beneficial to have as a point of reference, both the shadow and the light. Yeah, um, we have all of it. Yeah, you can just work through it. It's good. And now 
where you're at now? Like you've got all this awareness, like who are the people that you're working with at the moment? Who's your sole clients that you love to create magic with? The people that I'm working with are, are the high achievers who have, you know, they've ticked the boxes. They've got the pretty good life, pretty sweet life from outside looking in, but they don't really feel it, you know, so they have, they've achieved. Mm. They've created a success of themselves. However, they're at a point now where they're lacking drive. They're not lit up. They're not inspired. They feel a bit empty and hollow because there's, there's, you know, they've got the external things that they always thought would give them the internal feeling, but then it hasn't worked. Um, and so they are now at a point where they want some meaning, they want some fulfillment, they want uh, contribution, they want to feel like they're making a difference and the, the work they're doing is having an impact. And they also want some rest. They want to take a break from having pushed so much and they just they want help making that transition. How do I successfully rest and reset, get myself back to neutral? How do I successfully tap into an internal infinite source of drive and inspiration and then how do i translate that in the world and bring that to the world in a way that also allows me time freedom lifestyle and balance where everything isn't about work and achieving mm. and goals and ticking it off so it's that that process and that transition that i that i take them through yeah i love that this is so common isn't it you know yeah. so many people like initially you know, I was one of them seeking external uh, success to fill the inner void of, you know, driven to make money because then I'll be worthy, lovable, the best catch, you know, be able to do all the things. But then, you know, I did that. I was on 50K months as the everyday income back in uh, 2018. And then I realized like I wasn't fulfilled, like I wanted more. And that's what got me into coaching to be able yeah. to hear what mattered to me more was to have deep self-love and acceptance, to be able to call in an incredible relationship and be able to have more meaning by supporting others to live their ultimate vision instead of just cruise through life. I guess the benefit is of having that awareness, you can stop chasing it so much because you realize that you want more. So I guess it is like that balance, like you said, of how to connect with meaning and purpose and be paid well, but be in a state of, you know, raising your frequency, resting to be able to receive from overflow. This yeah. is like a, a pandemic at the moment. You know, so many people are burnt out, exhausted, so many mums especially yeah, giving themselves permission to slow down yeah, and receive. It's a superpower. It's huge what permission mm. can do. Such a simple concept and yet is huge what a bit of permission can do. And to really understand that, you know, how much angst and suffering we create for ourselves simply through a lack of permission to feel what we're feeling, desire what we're desiring, do what we want to do, be afraid of what we're afraid of think what we want to think. The judgment that all of it is wrong and or shouldn't be happening or should be another way just creates so much suffering that, yeah, I love how simple, effective and powerful just a bit of self-permission can be. Mm, amen. Setting ourselves free internally. So tell us 
I could talk to you all day, but I'd love to know, like, you're living in Bali, you know, you go surfing, you play golf, you rock serving clients. Like, how do you um, bring your routine and magic together? What are some things that help you to allow this balance in your life? The, the, The primary thing is to feel connected within myself. Yeah, there are sometimes I can be like, I want to feel connected to friends, connected to money, connected to business clients, et cetera, et cetera. But overall, it's a feeling of feeling connected because a feeling of feeling connected feels balanced. It feels stable. It feels safe and supported and grounded to feel connected. Feeling unstable, being out of whack and out of balance, feeling unsafe or unsupported, are all symptoms and experiences that come about from being, you know, heavily disconnected from ourselves. You know, and this goes on the on the train of thought that I learned from from Teal Swan that the one pain that we all experience, the core pain, is that of being disconnected from from oneness, from unity, from the love that we are. And that the one happiness that we all experience is the happiness of connection, oneness, unity. And so I always look at spirituality in that way and just I'm like, that makes a lot of sense to me. It seems very simple. And I use it as a point of reference to be like, all right, well, if that's the one core pain and that's the one core happiness, then I'm going to focus on and set the intention for a feeling of connection. And the more that I do that, the more balance comes about. It comes into my life. You know, it's not, I don't have a strict external schedule that gives me balance internally i connect within first and then balance comes about you know and then if for example oh no on saturdays i i never take a client call on saturdays or saturday mornings are always for this and there's a strictness and rigidity to it well then that's not being in my mind that's not being balanced it starts off with feeling it within first and then then balance shows up, then I've created balance because I've been balanced first. I've created a life that is that feels connected because I've connected to myself first rather than been Googled, well, what's a good balanced week look like? Or, or you know, or how should I structure my days? That's still seeking externally mm. first. So, yeah, then look from there, I play golf every Monday morning. I play every Thursday afternoon. I Sometimes I'll play... Uh, extra games outside of that. Um, with surfing, it's it, you know you, it depends on the tides and the swell yeah, and the waves. What, the, what the what the ocean's doing. But then I also I have certain days and times where clients or, or these types of interviews or market research calls can and cannot be booked in, and so that provides a balance of structure, routine, and flexibility that works for me. It's a reflection of the balance that I've found within myself first um what's balanced for someone else you know can look completely different to me could be way more routine or way more flexible but that's that's what balance is for that person Uh, and so that's the way that i recommend people go about it Mm, i love that i agree with connection with self first and the reason why we're disconnected you know everybody's been through some kind of traumatic experience in the past. And so, you know, often we've become disconnected from our body and live in our head because it hasn't been safe to feel. 
And yeah. so making connection number one on a felt sense in your body even takes time. But, you know, that's a superpower, you know, when you feel into your body on what feels good in this moment and trusting your inner knowing and not having this rigid structure of, Robin Sharma says, 5 a.m., I've got to move my body, I've got to drink my water, I've got to journal, blah, 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 blah. If that feels aligned that day, go for it. But, you know, give yourself permission to do what feels good. And and that energy of being able to do what feels aligned for you even helps your frequency as well to be in a an awesome state. Yes, totally. Um, curious, where's golf in Bali? So there is a course down in Uluwatu. Oh, okay. there's, a, there's a course in uh, Nusa Dua. There used to be one in Sanua, but recently got yeah. uh, replaced with a, with a hospital. And then there's one up in the Badugal region called Handara. Uh, it's like you've got the two big lakes in the middle of Bali. It's, um, yeah, maybe it's like an hour and 15 minutes on scooter from Changu up to Handara. Yeah. And uh, it's quite lovely up there. It gives me a bit of... Um, well, I grew up in a place called the Dandenong Ranges, forest vibes. So you get a bit of that up there, beautiful scenery, and it's a bit, uh, it's cooler up there as mm. well, you know. At, at night, you're putting a, a jacket on and it's and it's chilly, which is very different when you're used to being down in uh, Changu or Uluwatu or Nusidur where it's it's super hot. So mm. there's, there's, there's three golf courses and then there's a fourth one in Uluwatu area, which is just, uh, it's all par threes. So on golf, you've got par three, four, five. It's just 18 holes of, of par three golf. So there's yeah, three proper courses, one novelty one. Oh, brings back memories. I used to live in Bali. We connected back in 2018. We were both living there. And yeah. 2018, 19, living the dream in Bali. And now I've been back in Australia for two years because the travel mandates and um, doesn't align with me to take the, the jab and all that kind of stuff. And now I'm, I've created freedom over here where I'm going to travel Australia to be in that fun freedom state of adventure and where I decide to go that day, great, enjoy nature and then pause, do some work and all that. I remember you came back to Melbourne and then you went back to Bali. Tell us why you love this Bali um, lifestyle for you to rock your life and business over there. I like the freedom of it. I like the ease. I like the convenience. I like the weather. Um, the hotties from every country, you know. That happening as well. Uh, yes, there's the surf, there's the golf, everything's pretty close and easy to get to. And there is, um, I mean, I've always enjoyed traveling third world countries. So I enjoy, as, as westernized as, as Bali has been in ways, and, and especially Changu, there's still the third world feel. I still only ever wear shoes when I'm at the gym or on the golf course. So cafes, restaurants, bars, it's still, it's always no shoes and just shorts and a t-shirt. I, I like that comfortability. I like cruising around on my own scooter. That's so easy and convenient as well. Mm. There's a good quality of life over here. You know, you have help with a with a cleaner and, and whatever else oh, it might be. Oh, it's the best ever. It's you don't great. cook food. You've got every kind you of gourmet food. That- you want. Yeah, great food, great great options. And uh, look, great people as well. You know, Bali mm. attracts similar Any- people on a similar vibe doing similar things. 
Mm. And uh, it's fun. Life still, purely by being here, meets my need of uncertainty and variety and, and adventure just by being here. So yeah, I enjoy that. that as well. I feel that as well. It's the the freedom of spontaneity, adventure. You never know who you're going to meet. It's like there's so many incredible entrepreneurs from all over the world doing amazing things like you're inspired and the relaxed, epic lifestyle. Oh, I can't wait to go back for a holiday. And you have recently written a book. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I first came to Bali in 2018. I was meant to write my book. You know, it was going to be my my big book. And I, I, I invested in a mentor and everything like that. And I just never got around to doing it. And so middle of last year, she reached out. She's like, hey, I've got a couple of unfinished books and open loops in my business that, I'm, that I want to close. You've got until this date to get your first draft in. And uh, I was like, all right, cool. And we'd spoken about doing a book in the form of a bunch of just little wisdom bombs, little entries, rather than a whole big book of, of chapters type, type format. And uh, so <clears throat> ended up whipping that together. I took some posts that I'd just done on Facebook and refined them, made a few and added them in, gave it a sequence, gave it a theme. And so the the theme of the book is uh, within my work, there's three core relationships that I help internally help people with. First one is the relationship to fear and pain. Second is the relationship to desire and self-expression. Third is the relationship to action, intuition and manifestation. And so the book speaks to the first core relationship, which is the relationship to fear and emotional pain, emotional traumas um, and how you can ultimately we fear fear. You know, you can be anxious about being anxious or you can be very calm about the fact that you're anxious. And through understanding the true nature of consciousness and emotion and shadows and egos and understanding what's actually taking place within your conscious experience, not only will have you fear it less, but will have you explore it more deeply. And then the more deeply uh, you explore parts of yourself, the less you will fear the depths. You know, if you can go down and deep, and you've been there and you've bounced back, you know that you can go there. You're not fearing those depths anymore. And that truly gives a very deep sense of calm, inner peace, presence in the moment and clear Mm. mind. So the book is called Awaken, 21 Insights to Elevate Your Consciousness consciousness and Find Inner Peace in a Stressful World. And that's what it speaks to. It speaks to the core relationship of fear and emotional pain. And ultimately it gives... Mm -hmm that inner calm, clear mind, inner peace and, and, and emotional freedom and how to transform your life by making your inner peace your, your top priority. So, yeah, it's, I'm, do, I'm in the stage of doing some final edits at the moment. I love how it's all come together. It's, it's a very cool, very cool little book and um, I'm keen to, to, to get it out to the world more than I have so far. I can't wait to read it. I love that message. Will it be available on andrewpierce.com or where can people find it? Yeah, it will. I'll, I'll chuck it up on the website and probably go through the process of getting onto Amazon or that type of stuff, but it will, it will definitely be available through andrewdpierce.com. And also I'll leave your website and your social media in the show notes so people can connect with you and tell you what they love most about this interview. Do you know Dave Thompson? Yes. 
Yeah. yeah, I'm in a book writing course with him. And while I travel Australia, I'm going to be uh, sharing more of my message and my journey. And yeah, I have that intention as well to get my book out, you know, by my 40th birthday in March. So I've got a bit of bit of time. I think it'll take a while. You're a very good writer. So love that you are fully expressing yourself and really getting your message out. Super exciting and such an achievement for your legacy, you know, and I'm sure there's a few more books in you to come. Yeah. Thank you, Kaz. I appreciate that. And I'm, I'm sure there'll be a, a few more to come out uh, over a lifetime. We'll, we'll just see how it all unravels. Who has been a favourite mentor on your journey that's helped you along the way? So the biggest mentors for me have been Kyle Cease, mm-hmm. uh, Alan Watts, Neil Donald Walsh, David R. Hawkins, Eckhart Tolle, and probably David Dieter, I would say. I mentioned I acknowledge them in the book. They're the top minds that have been uh, the most influential on mine. I've read uh, a couple of books of of each of them, other than Kyle Seath, I haven't read his, any of his books, so I've just watched a lot of his content, but I've read uh, a minimum of two books by uh, All those each sources. of those. Yeah. So awesome. I love, you know, finding what inspires people and, yeah, you've written a book. So if you had to name one book, what book would you say has had the most impact on your life? I'm probably going to go with two. Um, The first one we'll say is uh, Letting Go, The Pathway of Surrender by David R. Hawkins. Oh, I Um, love that too. Incredible book. Absolutely incredible book, which had such a huge, huge influence on me. I read it whilst I was traveling Southeast Asia. I read The Power of Now and that book twice whilst traveling Southeast Asia for two and a half months. So it was awesome. And then the second one would be Starting the Conversations with God series by Neil Donald Walsh. So of those books, I probably love book three the most, but book one kicked things off and was I read that in 2016. was super influential, absolutely loved it. So I would say Letting Go of the Pathway of Surrender by David R. Hawkins and then Conversations with God, book one by Neil Donald Walsh. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'll leave those in the comments as well. I have read the first one. I haven't read Neil Donald Walsh books, but I've heard good things. I yeah. love that big part of your message has been letting go and surrender. And for me, letting go of control and really being in trust, faith and surrender is like so, so, so freeing and so powerful to just be okay yeah. with whatever comes. And I feel that's from being with our inner world, our emotions. And you shared a lot of your message um, in your book about being in that calm, present flow state. And for me, that is also about your nervous system and being in that parasympathetic where we can respond to whatever comes our way because that window of tolerance is, you know, our capacity is bigger to have that emotional resilience and absolutely love that message. You know, it's how we take our power back is how we respond and being okay with um, feeling the feels. Yeah, feeling the feels. That's mm-hmm. that's what it is. Get get in there. Get stuck in. Uh, you know, feel shit. Go mm-hmm. through it, and you'll you'll be on the other side. I, I love to look at things like you know that enlightenment is a process of 
subtraction and again referencing spiritual truth i think it's the dalai lama maybe who, who said that uh love is the absence of judgment or love is the absence of fear and so uh, I, that makes a lot of sense and i look at that and be like all right the job here is to subtract judgment from the equation to to remove fear from the experience and you'll be left with love so mm-hmm. as you feel the shit feelings you release them from the body and you're left you're just immediately automatically left feeling better if you're cold so this happens in melbourne where i'm from if you're cold because the clouds are in the way of the sun and you want to be warm when the clouds do part and the sun hits you you're immediately warm all you've done is subtracted the clouds from the equation and you're warm. You don't need to subtract the clouds and then build a sun and then you're finally warm. You know, so that's why letting go, the pathway of surrender speaks about just letting go and surrendering. And that's that's what our that's what we're here to do is to let go and, and surrender mm. and be left with the awareness of of one that's so yeah, mm. people get in there, feel your shit feelings release them and you'll feel better because you're not feeling shit anymore. <laughs> yes. That's where the peace and the calm yeah. comes. Love, yeah. love, love. I could talk to you all day, Andrew. Absolutely. Yeah, love. we could keep going. Yeah. I love sure. your message. Um, I love the level of consciousness that you bring on talking to the ego and judgment and the stuff that we all deal with that does hold us back and like, clearly showing the path of how we can feel to heal and have that acceptance and yeah, surrender and play more, bring it on. So first of all, before we wrap up, this is a courageous leaders podcast. So I would love to know leadership. What do you feel allows us to become powerful, amazing leaders? I think it it starts really with the desire to actually be that person, mm-hmm. you know, the, the wants to be that person. And then the permission to be that as well, having something beyond ourselves, outside of ourselves to serve and to move towards is incredibly powerful. And also understanding at the same time that we're beings of, of self-interest and we do even serving, serves, serving others serves us. You know what I mean? We always get something from something. And so just not trying to eliminate that, but instead just being okay and accepting an understanding of that certainly helps. But um, I think it starts with actually the desire and the want to be that person and, and checking in with ourselves as to why. Is it largely significance and status-based and is it largely running from a shadow of feeling like a fucking loser or a, a sheep or a nobody or a follower? Or is there a genuine, clean and clear desire that you, you want to be that person in the world? And if you don't, that's okay. If you've got no interest being that person in the world and you prefer just doing your thing and, and being a supporter or whatever it might look for you, that's fine as well. So, yeah, that's what I, that's what I think is the most important starting point mm-hmm. to being a, a courageous leader in the world. Beautiful. I agree. Love that. You know, choosing your desires. Yeah. Also, for those wanting to call in more abundance, do you, what words of wisdom would you have? I know there's so many layers. I just thought to add that one in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
the, the words of wisdom would be set the intention to feel connected within yourself and also understand the law of opposites that if you want to feel abundant and you set the attention to feel rich, full and abundant within yourself, know that what you're going to come up across is how empty, hollow, scarce, fearful you feel within yourself. Mm. You know, you will, life teaches us by the law of opposites. And so the more that you can release the scarcity and the hollowness and the emptiness from the body by going through it, the more you will connect to a richness, a fullness, and an abundance within yourself. So if that's what you want to call in, you've got to be it. And your way to being it is by going through the opposite of it. That is like mic drop moment. And this is shadow work, <laughs> owning the things you want to avoid. And absolutely, when we strive for a goal or an intention, and maybe it might be creating your first 10K or 100K month, what's going to come up is all that shit that's holding you back from receiving that. So powerful. Andrew, thank you a million. I've loved this conversation and I know our audience will absolutely love this. There's been so much gold in here. Is there anything else you would love to share? What's the message on your heart you would like to leave our audience with today? Connect with yourself. I was gonna, what I was going to say is, you know, and there's, there's the how-tos of how to get into really doing this. But at the end of the day, the, the job really is to love ourselves. And here's a perspective that I'll, that I'll offer that will, will provide some good insight is that sometimes the most loving thing that we can do for ourselves is to allow ourselves to feel how much we hate ourselves. Sometimes people have been, oh, got to love yourself. I'll just keep moving forward. Just got to love yourself. But suppressing the hate that's in the body or the disgust or the disdain that we might have to, towards parts of ourselves is not an act of, of self-love. And so it seems quite backwards, but sometimes the most loving thing that we can do for ourselves is to allow ourselves to feel how much we hate ourselves mm. or how much we dislike ourselves and to hold a space of love for that experience, that self-love. Suppression mm. is not self-love. Mm. So, but truly, the number one thing to focus on is, is keeping your heart and body open to all different parts of yourself and having love for, mm. for whatever for whatever comes up, the good, bad, and the ugly. Mm, I love that uh, deep self-acceptance of all all parts of ourselves. Love that you have the courage to do this deep inner work and share it with the world. Thank so you. Good. Appreciate it. And back at, back at you too, Kaz. Mm, thanks, darling. I love the path that we've both been on, so much growth and evolution and you know, the fun of sharing it with other people as well. Yeah. I look nice. forward to uh, having a bintang with you in Bali or seeing you in Melbourne. Big love. Thank you so much for joining us on the Courageous Leaders podcast. I would love for you to subscribe to the show and leave an honest review on Apple Podcasts. This allows us to inspire and impact more people to lead with courage and live their ultimate vision. Thank you.